Welcome to the Steve and Stone Show, powered by two dudes trying to revive and relive their college podcast. I think America is the land of second chances, except for when it comes to this dude, Mr. Jabba the Hutt, you fat, slobberly, no good, lazy. Oh, come on, that's yeah, a little strong. And listen. With your host, Newport Goals announcer, and a guy that doesn't believe you can eat mac and cheese with a spoon, Stephen Hutt. Five, eight little mousy boys that live in the wall and crawl around for cheese. <laughs> okay, we get it. Alongside award-winning podcaster and two-time Nebraska walk-on trial participant, Colton Stone. How he takes off the shirt. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Being everything from college football to baseball to creating dumb lists purely for debate. Totally stupid. Well, Doug and I love stupid. Tune in every week wherever you listen to podcasts and enjoy. Now, there's a difference between having fun and being a jackass. Our guest today is the broadcaster and writer for the Burlington Royals and the host of the Whole Story podcast. He's a good friend of mine, Alex Fuse. Alex, uh, it's good to talk to you, man. How are you doing? I am as well as I think everyone right now. There's no sports, but um, in, in America that is. And I have been really highly considering changing my sleep schedule centered <laughs> around the KBO. It hasn't happened yet, um, but we're only about a week and a half in. So, well, so there's still time for that, huh? Still time, still time. Yeah. Right. So the only two things going on, and Stephen and I follow this, and you, you may have heard us talk about it, but Marbula E is about the only other thing that that we've kept a, a finger on the pulse. Have you have you caught any of the racing marbles? You know, I'm not a big marble guy. Oh man, <laughs> get them off the pot. I know. Yeah, yeah I know. They're uh, already booing me. I can hear their virtual <laughs> boos uh, from a distance. Of course, the marbles are yelling. <laughs> six feet. From six feet away, I can hear the booze. And, um, you know, actually, it's surprising, right? And all of this is before I became a true sports fan. And what I mean by true is my first true love, if you consider it a sport, was the WWE. I know. And yeah. that <laughs> has fair. not stopped. Cold that has not stopped. WWE. That has not stopped whatsoever in all of this. Um, so I guess wrestling, well, I guess you to say, uh, you know, entertainment, sports entertainment is now considered essential, especially in the state of Florida. But here we are. <laughs> and uh, that's uh, the biggest thing I've learned so far in 2020, that professional wrestling is more essential than any other professional sport. League. Well, it's funny, too, because the, the WWE is owned by the same guy that the XFL declared bankruptcy with. So it's like, yeah, where is this? I mean, I know that. They invested a lot of money and they couldn't even play half their season. But I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have the WWE, but you're like, ah, who cares about the XFL? We don't need it. Yeah. Uh, yeah well, I Alex. Mean... Well, oh, okay. So I thought of you because I was watching. We're talking about you know no live sports and stuff. I don't know if you've been able to catch this MJ documentary that's kind of taken the world by storm. Um, but MJ was talking about his schedule for uh, while while shooting Space Jam. And he said he, he wakes up, at like or the shoot call starts at like 7 in the morning. They shoot all day until about 5. He had a two-hour workout, ends at 7, and then they'd have like three-hour pickup games with like the best players in the NBA. And so I was hearing this incredible schedule, and immediately you came to mind because you are quite possibly the busiest man I know. So this quarantine might be a little bit of a blessing to you, but I'm sure you've been finding a way to uh, keep busy still. You know, at the same time, it is a blessing. But I still, I always feel like I saw this meme somewhere on social media today. And I'm like, I need that. And it was a meme where it's like, you need to close all your tabs in your head. And I'm like, yes, I feel like I have all these tabs run into my head constantly. But to your point, Stephen, um, you know, I have a radio show at my college when we're able to be there um, from 7 to 8 a.m. Monday through Friday. So every morning, Monday through Friday, I would wake up at 4.30 in the morning. And I would go to sleep around 8.30, 9 o'clock on a good day. And, you know, my whole days would be nonstop. And I love that. Uh, and I I guess now would 
give anything to have those days back right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm still trying to stay busy, still trying to feel productive in what I'm doing. So, you know, while I do miss that constant drive, you know, and constant just kind of go around in a merry-go-round of life, basically, I've been trying to fill that void as best as possible to feel I am being productive in whatever I'm doing. Yeah, I think we all kind of get to that point. I remember, you know, Stephen and I were doing not Monday to Friday. I'm sure we would have liked to do Monday to Friday. I don't know if the listeners wanted us to, but uh, <laughs> when we would do, who knows if they want me five days a week? But you know, they still have to me. Well, it may have more been our professor than anything, but uh, trying to <laughs> split the wealth. But it's nice stuff. We got two days, but I mean, even like doing that, you know, I would get up for class then prepare for a show do the show have more class then go to my like mm-hmm. radio station job then go to my newspaper job and then i'm home at like midnight yeah. just to go do it yeah. again and you know you kind of you not necessarily take it for granted but you kind of take like free time for granted because as soon as you have too mm-hmm. much of it you're like uh, what it makes you realize how much you actually do during the day and yeah. it's it's kind of crazy that like everything just like dropped and like with no sports it's just kind of like what do you do like you know where where mm-hmm. does your mind kind of wander to and um i think we've all been kind of having maybe not a tough time with it but it's weird it's weird to say the least you know the other night i was watching kbo was the first night it was on and it was like what one thirty two a.m. and I was exhausted, but I wanted to watch at least one or two innings of it. And of course, there was a rain delay mixed in there, and I fell asleep with baseball on in the background. And I was like, "Oh, I forgot. I usually do this in the summertime." It just dawned on me that it was like oddly satisfying to be able to just fall asleep with baseball in the background, and. Um, and no, that's not because baseball is boring. I love baseball as my number one sport. Uh, before you know, people get on me for that, but it's just one of those sports where I feel relaxed watching, unless it's a playoff game or a postseason game. So mm-hmm. I, I think in that way, you know, I miss the little things that goes along with it. You know, it's the walk-up songs that you know. Oh, I like that song too. You know, it's the little stuff that you you end up missing more of right now yeah and you know what i actually feel the same exact way not only about baseball but also golf i i used to Mm -hmm. love uh, the masters the song that comes with it you Mm -hmm. turn it on early in a weekend and it's just dance behind it oh man there's there's nothing like it but yeah um i i know you know this is kind of the time where the rubber meets the road for some summer sports you kind of start to have to decide if you know we're going to get some games in soon or if you're going to have to continue to delay it or just call the season completely um i know the major league baseball met with the players um this week and nothing has passed as of yet uh and i you know i know you're you're with minor league team but you know what are you hearing from you know across you know all, everything going on right now or what do you think of of the situation happening with the players in major league baseball you know, everyone I talk to, whether it's a major league broadcast or a minor league broadcast or reporters, journalists, people I talk to, the thing is, if you ask Commissioner Robert Manfred, I know he was on CNN, I know we're taping this on, um, what is today? Today's Thursday, May 14th, that he was on CNN tonight, and I caught a little bit of it, but still, it's just the fact is, you can ask Commissioner Manfred. 10 questions and he might be able to answer one of them because the thing about this no one knows no one knows what tomorrow will bring and you know the thing is about this it's not just a sports industry when can people go to the movie theater when can people go out to eat you know one of my favorite things was going out to eat and meeting face to face with people and now it's all a drive-through or delivery, and it's like who knows when we'll even be able to get back to, to that sort of normal routine. So I, I think to answer your question of what are other people saying about the return of sports, the return of either minor league or major league baseball in particular, I mean, we can hope that the number one priority right now 
isn't minor league baseball. The number one priority right now is that some way to save the 2020 major league season. And if by chance, and I hope they do, and again, I hope they do it safely, and to somehow bring back some form of a minor league baseball season, then that's the best case scenario. But the number one priority right now, the number one concern right now, is to bring back the major league baseball season mm-hmm. in 2020. And I think if you ask Commissioner Manfred right now about potentially bringing in a MILB season, he'd probably laugh because everyone's focus right now is the MLB season, and rightfully so. And again, it's it's a it's a time where there's just so many questions but no answers. And you know, I've said this before, and I'll say it right now with you guys: if we can bring it back safely and come up with a plan that makes the most sense, I'm ready to go tomorrow. And I hope it happens. But again, I want it to be done safely. Well, what do you think about the the dispute between you know, kind of uh, players either taking pay cuts or, or not? I know a lot of the players are on the side where. Um, they're going out and playing, you know, in these conditions where there's more risk. They don't want to take a pay cut, but obviously there's not as much money coming in. And so they, they you know, the, the higher organizations and the people in those organizations um, want the players to take a pay cut just so they can be, you know, financially okay for the season. Um, I, I see both sides to it, but what are your thoughts on that? Because, you know, one thing, if we can't get the season going because um, these guys can't get tested in, and, um, you know, there's there's medical, you know, people who who need tests and we're giving these baseball players. It's one thing if sure. we can't get it um, because huge. of that and people would understand. But if it's over, you know, just some money because um, some people don't want to take pay cuts and maybe rightly so. But some people are expecting pay cuts. Um, it might look bad for Major League Baseball, at least how I see it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two things, right? So, number one, where the players and a lot of people aren't talking about this. I guess the only people that are talking about this are the agents and the players. Is They already took a pay cut. They already took a, almost a 50% pay cut. And um, in that, they basically said, you're going to have to risk your life for me and my, family's, and my family and my friends to be able to watch you play. And the players basically said, okay. And also within that, can you take 50% pay cut? And the players basically said, okay. And then the thing was, and uh, now we're seeing it right now, where the owners and Major League Baseball are asking the players to take even more of a pay cut. And now the players are basically saying no, and now it's making the players look not so great. So Mm -hmm. I, I think when it comes down to it, I think while I know a lot of people are getting on Blake Snell today about his comments on a Twitch uh, streaming game that he did on Wednesday and about basically him not wanting to go out there and risk his life, and I know a lot of people aren't happy with what he said, but at the same time, putting yourself in his shoes, right? You know, no matter whatever job you're in, and obviously no one is being paid enough right now to put, you know, your lives at risk mm-hmm. right now. But still, you know, these are people. These are people with family. You look at Anthony Rizzo of the Chicago Cubs, who has had battles with cancer in the past. And now you're asking him to take a pay cut and to play during a pandemic. Just why? So we can enjoy baseball? you know, to bring us together. Well, what if Anthony Rizzo gets the coronavirus, you know, COVID-19, and has lasting impacts? What if something serious happens and not him? Either families of these players, what about the broadcasters? You know, where a lot of the broadcasters aren't 25 and really safe, quote-unquote safe, from this virus and really no one's safe from this but still it's the same way it's like oh well these athletes are young healthy let's put them out there Mm -hmm. throw some masks on them and they'll be fine but the reality is they're not fine this virus treats everyone so differently it's something we've never dealt with before it's the first time we've dealt with it there's no vaccine 
we only have some that can temporarily potentially relieve the symptoms of it. We don't know the lasting effects of it. We don't know how the impact of the lungs are going to be 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line are. And I mean, to be completely honest with you guys, we don't even see the lasting impacts of an athlete that has dealt with this. So there's a lot that goes into this and it's so much more complicated. And uh, I, I think, you know, that a good thing I'm not on the decision-making end of this because <laughs> I, I can never do it because, you know, let's say I, you know, say, okay, let's bring back sports. And then tomorrow we have, you know, a disaster, you know, so what if we have 50 players that test positive and they're seriously right. ill and now that's coming back at me and you know, it, it's there's just a lot that goes into it and it's not just you know yes or no you know it's not just a, a flip of a switch like there are serious impacts that, that can go into this and a lot of people are looking at the big picture of it. yeah alex uh <clears throat> steven and i's situation obviously a little different as far as the can't go out to eat and the normalcy thing um mm-hmm. i know we talked about a little bit i'm not gonna get into politics about what i think but um you know things started reopening here in in nebraska and um you know they're still trying to follow the cdc guideline you know the six feet um 10 people you know in two confined of an area um and all that but there's still plenty of states that are still doing the stay home orders um you know Mm -hmm. try not to leave your house for more than an hour maybe a couple hours if you have to like go to the store but um, it, it all kind of feels like the sooner you reopen, it's more of a money grab, I guess. But let's say you can have a season safely or they find a way to do it. And, you know, maybe they can't have fans there, but they get almost exclusive broadcasting rights because it'll be one of the only major sports on TV. You know, this could potentially, again, if it's done safely, be one of the first times in a long time that, like, baseball – you know, commands control uh, or, or demands control of, of broadcasting and, and could potentially be on more TV screens than, than it has in, mm-hmm. gosh, the past two decades. You know, we're talking yeah. late 90s. Um, it was probably one of the most watched things in major sports. And, and now it's, you know, they're hoping 10,000 people even show up in a 40,000-seat stadium. So, you know, what do you think – could could be the impact on broadcasting um, if they are able to come back uh, safely. I mean, mostly, you know, working in radio, of course, that's a different side of it. But, I mean, they they could kind of have the entire market. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we're seeing these, uh, you know, bigger networks test things out right now. And to your point about potentially if baseball is able to come back safely, Right, safely bolded and underlined with asterisks next to it, <laughs> where it's like, who would have thought we would have had some form of baseball six days a week? And that's the KBO right now, where the KBO, if you said a year ago that in March of 2020 that they would be able to have not only their opening day on ESPN, but six games a week that are broadcasted by some of the best broadcasters in the industry and on ESPN, I would have said, you're crazy. There's no chance. And to, to have you know the KBO kind of fill that void for any baseball fan or sports fan that has an interest to learning something new where there is really isn't anything going on, especially in sports, there's nothing going on. And where... You know, that's kind of the biggest piece of it. And, you know, to the other side of it, right, where, uh, you know, this is just a time where the networks can, I mean, you know, one of the one of the best ESPN broadcasters that I know on ESPN is John Boog Shambi. And Boog is broadcasting the KBO games from his own home. So I think we will potentially start seeing more networks try this out i mean it's kind of scary to think about it right where not scary but it's interesting where if let's say fox sports you know let's say baseball returns in 2020 
and Fox doesn't want to send their broadcasters. Then you have Joe Buck calling baseball games from his home office. Now Fox doesn't have to pay for his plane, doesn't have to pay for his hotel. There's, you know, all of that is basically eliminated. Mm-hmm. They might have to buy some equipment for his office, but, you know, now you'll start seeing other teams try that out, right? What is the lasting impact of that have on the different leagues as a whole? So I, I think that's when you start looking at it. All right. I mean, now we, you know, there's a whole dispute going on right now. The major networks testing out examples of adding uh, crowd noise in, into these games when there's no one in the stands, mm. you know, and how does that sound? How do you fill that void to not make it so awkward? And I think that's the major thing that a lot of networks are really thinking about right now is, okay, we've never dealt with this. How can we save money because we've lost so much? And how can we make up for the money that we've lost? And at the end of the day, money talks. And um, you know, that's where I think broadcasting potentially um, is going to go to or just definitely a trial period. We're definitely going to see a trial period where, let's say, you know, you have a broadcaster that is up there in age and does not feel comfortable, you know, traveling or even going out of his own home, but he's willing to broadcast those games from his own home and the network's okay with it, you're going to sign off on that. So uh, I, I think definitely it's going to be a trial period for that. How do you feel about the uh, fake crowd noise being injected in? More, a little more lighthearted, but, uh, you know, I've seen some, some polls both ways. Do you, do you care at all, or, or is this something you would, you would enjoy? Well, you just need to ask the Atlanta Falcons, first of all. <laughs> like, just ask the Falcons how they did it, and then... You know, they did it yeah. successfully, I guess. Yeah, right? they could set everyone up for it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think the KBO has something going on in the background. I don't think it's crowd noise, but I think they have something like music or something. But, you know, I, I think it, it would, I'm not opposed to it, but I'm not like, yes, I want fake crowd noise. <laughs> so I, I guess I would, you know, it doesn't move the meter. Do. No, it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. I'm kind of. I, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it might come down to it where the first night is, you know, watching, you know, I, I know we talked about this before we started, or maybe we already did, but about the WWE, where um, there is no crowd noise. And that's awkward. And I, I think potentially it could be awkward without crowd noise. But at the same time, everyone knows it's not real. And. Yeah. I think if it comes off as even more awkward of fake crowd noise, I mean, the thing is, like, let's say, you know, we're going to see it where one team in baseball that was, I'm not going to name the name of the team, but one team (laughs) in baseball that is not a favorite, especially this year right now by many teams, was going to be treated with booze. And so what's the crowd noise going to be? Is it going to be? Uh, you know, a positive impact or a, a positive cheer for just the home team. Like, let's say we go back to 2014 when Alex Rodriguez got off his suspension and he was at Fenway Park and he heard the eruptus boos from the crowd. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be boos? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, we lose that element of it. That? You lose that element of it. And I said this the other day. In an interview with someone, I said, you go back to the Kirk Gibson home run with the Dodgers, right? And the historic, phenomenal call, probably one of the best hands-down baseball calls from Vince Scully, where obviously in that moment we knew it was big, right? But Mm -hmm. subtract the crowd from that reaction, right? Would we look back at that moment and be like, wow, <laughs> what a moment? Yeah, no, you know you, what I mean? you, that's an excellent point there. Or um, would it just be a walk-off home run and right. case closed, books closed? You go back to any, you know, David Ortiz walk-off home run for the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. If you erase the, the crowd noise, oh, it's just a home run, the Red Sox win the ball game. Yeah, well, There's I'll that, say this. Yeah, it's that build-up that you're going to miss with the fans, yeah. without the fans. Yeah, it's I, the I don't element know if of you... surprise too. It's just kind of like yeah. the, it's the it's being genuine. Like the, like, wow. the whole point of crowd noise is that 
the crowd is into it. It's not because like, hey, let's pump some noise and, you know, let's make the crowd into it. Like, it's the crowd. Like, it's not because of anything anyone told them to do. Well, and and on top of that, and Alex, I'm sure you're with me here. Um, I've broadcasted multiple games uh, at ballparks with no one in it. Um, (laughs) You and I even had the, we had our teams this past summer, um, rescheduled their games. It got rained out, and so we did it early in the morning, and uh, no one was there. And so uh, we've been there. It's awkward, and so, um, but it would feel a little disingenuous at the same time to uh, kind of just pump fake crowd noise in. So I mean, I've um, called plenty of softball games, and I mean, Stephen, you've been to Nebraska softball games. I mean, they're good at softball. Don't get me wrong, but you get a Sunday morning game and. There's not a lot of people out there. Yeah, there's echoes when you're talking, that's for sure. But um, in other baseball news, um, this one came uh, partly because of the coronavirus, at least uh, many hope. Um, the MLB draft is going to be reduced to five rounds. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? I know you know you're going to be uh, your broadcaster, your writer for the Burlington Royals minor league team. How will this five round draft uh, really affect the minors, and what are your thoughts on it? Well, I think the the Obviously, the asterisk next to the five rounds is uh, it, it came because of this, right? And it, it is kind of wild to think about how the Major League Baseball draft could go from 40 rounds to five in less than a year of time. And the fact is that in the NFL, that there are no minor leagues for football. And the NFL had more players drafted and more rounds than the major league draft has and when there's a a lot of minor league affiliated teams at least right now as we're speaking you know 162 of them right now and obviously those discussions will loom about the potential you know subtracted axing of teams yeah 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 yeah. and uh, so that's looming also in this whole process of, well, if we're thinking about not having as many minor league baseball teams, we don't need as many players. Now, obviously, five rounds of the players and then obviously the $20,000 for anyone that wants to be signed by a team after that, it's it's a lot less. And, you know, if there is no baseball in 2020, then no team will be signing any players right mm-hmm. after those five rounds there's no point because well, a- it's 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 not like you can just call them up and say oh come down to the facility and work out with us there would be none of that so right. you would just be signing them in hopes that they can stay somewhat in baseball uh, condition yeah. you know condition for it and for them to feel as ready as possible when things go back to quote normal in 2021 in hopes that they're even to start that season Get a Jamarcus and, Russell uh, situation, <laughs> just kind of let him loose. Yeah, I hope well, he shows up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I saw. Yeah. You know, when this when this news came out about switching it to five rounds, I was uh, my immediate thought was obviously it's coronavirus. But then I uh, went a little bit further, and I haven't heard you know much about this, so I'm not saying this is going to happen or it's concrete. But I was just curious that these dots are connecting. Um, but obviously, there was prior talks and still ongoing talks um, about cutting those. 40-some-odd teams from minor league baseball, and I didn't know if they could parlay this five-round draft into the future, and that could be, you know, a a nice segue, not nice segue, but a segue at least to cutting those teams. I didn't know your thoughts on that at all. Look, I I think, obviously, it's really not up to anyone. You talk to any of the scouts, any of the even sometimes the general managers. At the end of the day, it comes down to the owners and Commissioner Manfred, and you know they know more in depth of what their vision of what the Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball look like in 2020 and the future. Mm-hmm. And you know, if it's not like we can, you know tie ourselves around these stadiums and say mm-hmm. you're not going to plow us over they're just gonna you know have their own decision making processes you know and they have their reasons and we can agree with it we can disagree with it it's not going to change it right now it seems like and you know it's it's unfortunate because 
you know, one thing that stuck out to me most about all of this whole conversation about the future of the game of baseball was I read a Ken Rosenthal article from earlier this week, and it featured a quote from the most powerful man outside of baseball, and that man is Scott Boris. And what you know, Scott <laughs> Boris said and to Ken and in the article was, while we're cutting the draft on the five rounds, we should have had a billboard that said, once you finish Little League, go choose a different sport. Yeah, right. Goodbye. And when Scott Boris, who has how many millions and millions, probably billions now of dollars mm-hmm. invested in these top stars in the game of baseball, young stars, that is, saying that, that's powerful. Yeah, it's and eye-opening, I, that's I for think, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, when, you know, what does that tell you? If I'm six or seven years old and you're having a conversation with your parents and they say, what sports do you want to choose, little Johnny? You can either choose baseball or football. And then when you look at, you know, someone that says, you know, who's agent, let's say little Johnny's a Yankee fan, and he was thrilled that the Yankees signed Garrett Cole. And he saw a press conference with Scott Boris, and he listens to Boris talk, and he hears, go play a different sport. That says something. And when it comes down to the end of the day where I, I think a lot of people in baseball and love the game of baseball and want the sport to grow, but at the same time, how can it grow if you're not letting it grow? And it seems like you're fighting a losing battle almost every mm-hmm. single day. And, you know, that's kind of where baseball is in 2020 right now. Yeah, I'd yeah. tell little Johnny to go play golf, I think, is, is what I'd say. <laughs> Uh, less impact, and you can make a lot of money. But I, what I think is interesting about the, the five-round thing, and you guys will probably agree with this, I know, Alex, you brought it up, the, the difference between the NFL having seven rounds and 30, 32 teams, and, you know, after the first couple rounds, you kind of not lose interest, but, you know, the names start getting smaller, uh, and, right. and schools start getting smaller. And, and kind of the same thing when you have 40 rounds. Like, after the first, like, three rounds, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I, I don't know a lot of these guys, but it's because there's so many college baseball teams. Then you shrink that down to five. Well, in the NFL, with seven, people tell you when you're an undrafted free agent, like, that's that's actually great because now you get to pick the team you sign with, you get to make your contract, and, you know, it's not as much as if you're a first-round pick, but, like, you kind of get some say in it. Well, the problem with if you have five rounds, like you said, is, like, these guys won't get signed after the fifth round or these guys won't really have an opportunity. And then if you're cutting minor league teams on top of that, like, then there's going to be even less avenues to go play baseball. And now you've got a bunch of guys, you know, we're talking – 35 rounds of 30 guys at least we're talking almost a thousand players that now have no avenue to play professional baseball essentially um and obviously like you said they can they could go sign with a minor league team but if there's no baseball there's no one to sign them and then there's a whole crop of new kids the next year like it's it could have if if this happens and there's no baseball it could have lasting impacts much farther than just 2020 like it it could affect the careers of everybody following this season yeah i mean you look at it where i feel you know what a lot of people aren't talking about what about players that sign one-year deals with mlb teams you know what about the dd gregorius's the del batanches of the world even matt harvey uh, out there trying to prove themselves and to other people that wait a second i deserve you know, after an injury, you know, to come back and prove that, you know, I, I still have it and I, I can be successful and one of the best players in the game, you know, and I also feel uh, so bad for the seniors, especially the baseball seniors, because not only did they lose the rest of their season or in senior year, but now it looks like they're going to lose their chance to hear their names being drafted mm-hmm. to play professional baseball 
and that's what hurts. And, and the the thing about baseball that's so tough, and compared to other sports, in baseball you can't really predict it in, in terms of other things, you know, other sports. You know, when do you ever hear about besides Tom Brady, a late round draft pick in the NFL that makes a huge impact? Right? You don't really hear it too much, and if you do. I mean, even in terms of that, right, it's only seven rounds. And in terms of the Major League in MLB, um, where if you're a 31, 32-round draft pick, and now you can prove to the other people, to, to the scouts, and you know, to even yourself that I can do this and, and have – that opportunity to go out there and do it now you won't hear that anymore so I, I think that's going to be a bigger aspect of all of this right now is what is you know if I'm a college senior am I going back to school to play one more year of baseball or am I going to whatever degree I got going to that job market once everything goes to somewhat normal so like, am i done with baseball am i hanging up the cleats so i think that's kind of where everyone is at right now there's just so many unknowns yeah and you know what i mean i think i speak for all of us when hopefully this is just the story for this year and then yeah. it returns back yeah, to normal I hope. but um alex we thought we'd end this um in a typical alex fuse fashion i know on your podcast oh, um boy. you do the fast five and so we thought it'd be kind of fun to give you a chance at that um and so yeah. you know, like yours, um, you can answer it as briefly or as you can expand as much as you want on it. But um, starting it off, if you had to pick one conversation that really stuck in your memory from your podcast, maybe a favorite, um, what would that be? Who would that person be? You know, I, I think there's obviously I love every single one in person I've talked with. And I'm truly grateful for all the amazing people that I've been able to talk with, especially for that time. You know, that's what a, you know, it's such a nice compliment, you know, to be able to talk with these people in more in depth. That's what I love. I love long form interviews. And uh, it's really almost turned into a lost art, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess podcasting fills that void, but. Um, you know, podcasting is a really conversation. That's what a long form interview is. It's a conversation if you do it correctly. But to answer your question, one person, one conversation I had would have to be, and people are going to say, really, of course, you're going to say this, but it was with Bob Costas. And what, what I asked Bob was if he felt challenged in college. And he said, well, what exactly do you mean by that? And I kind of rebutted you know his question back to me and i said well bob look anyone that's in this business and i like to think that i have some sort of inclination of what goes into this business just from a mindset perspective of it where it's not like you can say oh i've taken five play-by-play classes or five sports broadcasting classes and now i can go out there and be one of the best sportscasters out there mm-hmm. like you have to have a knack for it you have to have a love and a passion for just learning something every day and knowing that there's going to be people out there that are just simply better than me and they're natural that way and you know having that real conversation with someone that obviously has been a wordsmith his entire life now he'll tell you that, oh, you know, I've worked at it, blah, 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 but, but no, like you go back and you listen to some of the tapes that Bob has in his early career, and well, he'll tell you otherwise, but it, it doesn't sound much different from who he was as a broadcaster. Obviously, um, you improve when you first start out versus, you know, when you are calling Olympic Games 40 years after that tape, but still, you can hear the talent and potential that he had back then. I mean, he was a star from when he was in Syracuse. You, you, you knew he was going to have a huge impact on this industry. It's a basically him say, you know, well, I didn't exactly feel that challenge in college where that was kind of where almost a lot of people probably in this industry feel similar if you um, have some sort of mindset of what 
goes into it. Yeah, I mean, anything from Bob Costas, I, I would probably be eating up. So that, I think that was a great pick. Um, you and I, though, were, were broadcasters last summer in the NECBL. What was your favorite place to go to on the road in the NECBL? Well, Stephen, I think you know this answer uh, would be Cardine's Field because I, I love uh, Nick Bello and Zach Lutzen. And those <laughs> two were my favorite people to go uh, visit. Um, wow. Two great interns with the Newport girls. Um, and they would always be the highlight. What? Am I missing yeah. someone? That's been, no, that, no, no, no. I think you got no, them that all. Sounds right, That's yeah. great. Uh, <laughs> no, and uh, of course, I would always love broadcasting games with uh, Steven and everyone really in the NACBL. <laughs> I truly do mean that, where every single game was so fun and fun to work with everyone there. And then honestly, my the other, you know, it's tough. I, I love broadcasting Cardines at Cardines, but it, it's right up at the top of that, too, would be. Uh, Martha's Vineyard uh, and mm. at the Sharks Place because um, being on the boats on the boat with the guys on the team you know there and back and yeah you take a ferry was, there and then yeah, you, take you take this a ferry there boat and, uh, in pitch uh, yeah. black across the ocean at night I mean it's yeah. there's nothing like it no and especially at the nighttime where we were so lucky with having the true summer nights where you think of baseball and it's like that 70, 75 degree weather where you can feel the water splashing on your face and it feels so refreshing where it's like relaxing. That's what I loved about it. It's a little stuff, you know, it's not really, you know, I don't remember too many, it's bad to say this, and I think it's probably good. I blocked out most of those games, Stephen. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, where I, where the, the most things I remember are times on the bus uh, times before and after the games and time just spent like with like honestly I'm, I'm still close with a lot of those players on that team and that was that that that's my memories that's that's the moments that I look back to and wish we still had right now and you know it's not oh what a great base hit by Rafe Schmidt that sticks to mind no it's the it's the bus rides it's the boat rides it, it's the stuff that happens before the first pitch and after the last pitch, I guess. Favorite sports moment for you? As a fan or a broadcaster? Either, whichever. Um, as a fan, I would say, you know, I don't really have... Um, hmm, it's a good question. I, it's one that I never really thought about. Um, and I, I guess it would really just be, I guess at this point, just watching a baseball game. Where that's my favorite <laughs> moment that sticks out to me. Um, but, you know, okay, so I grew up a Yankee fan, and I honestly think, looking at it now, where the Yankees were down 3 nothing in the top of the first against the Twins in the wild card game back in 2017. Uh, yeah, 2017. And then I think it was 2017. And then Didi Gregorius hit a three-run home run, and the Yankees tied it up, and in the first, in the bottom of the first inning. And I remember I was like, "Wow, what a moment!" Because that was a night where even listening to it on the TV, you could tell that was one of the loudest nights in the new Yankee Stadium since the old one. So that was a special moment um, as a fan growing up as a as a Yankee fan. Well, you're also, you're from New York, you're in upstate New York, and uh, we know, you know, New York is known for its pizza. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Um, yes. You know, <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I think I, I'm going to say yes. Uh, I'm going to say yes, just because of the fact where, you know, some people like ketchup on broccoli. And... Um, <laughs> Hey, don't hate it till you try it, right? Oh, wow. You're one oh, of those people. So huh? you're the guy that likes ketchup on broccoli. I see. It. Okay. All right. Well, sometimes. Um, ketchup on mac and cheese. Um, it depends if you're eating a hot dog next to it and some of the ketchup gets on the mac and cheese. And then you're like, oh, wait, this is actually not that bad. Oh, you're Anyways, from New York. Ketchup does not yeah. belong on well, a hot dog. No, no, no. no. 
Uh, I'm one of those. I'm like one out of a thousand that actually enjoys ketchup and hot dogs. I'm not truly a big mustard guy. I'm really not. Oh. Um, the more I, I hear you, the more I hear you. I'm starting to think maybe we shouldn't be so close to friends. <laughs> not a mustard guy. What's going on? Uh, well, I like my mustard, but not by itself. It needs okay. like to have. It needs to have some ketchup on it. I can't just be like mustard on a burger or mustard on a hot dog. Oh, see, and that that's the difference though, right? Like I can eat mustard, just mustard on a hot dog. But like if you give me a hamburger or a cheeseburger that only has mustard on it, like I will I will send it back. Like I I'm like a mayo ketchup mustard like everything on a hamburger. So you pull a carrot and just send it back. <laughs> I I mean like, let's I like, like I'd eat it but I am not how I'm gonna order it right like I'll order hot dog I just never, mustard but not a cheeseburger no. huh. yeah I unless there's hair in whatever food I order I'm not sending it back because um, I just feel like it you know there's someone that's working back there and it, it's so stressful to work especially in mm-hmm. the food industry oh. you know but you know to your point. <laughs> to your point i i guess um i can understand where you're coming from La- last last one for you alex i know you know you used to uh, uh work in an ice cream shop what's your favorite flavor of ice cream hey i still do you still I, do hey cream, i love and, that uh, right now right now uh, that's where i that's uh why we have to tape this so late is because i work tonight uh, and Ice cream in upstate New York, I guess, is considered essential business. So um, oh, yeah. I guess I could say I'm. I guess I could say I'm finally essential uh, <laughs> and an essential employee. But my favorite ice cream this week. It, it's strange, right? When you work in an ice cream place for I've worked there for now over four years. So you can imagine spending all the nights. I mean, I can probably. You know, so many nights I've had ice cream for dinner <laughs> or sometimes even sounds after great. dinner. Yeah, well, it, it, <laughs> it does its job. It does its job. You know, where, you know, I'm sometimes there from, you know, 12 in the afternoon till 10 o'clock at night. So, you know, you eat a lot of ice cream, right? So uh, my favorite ice creams go in trends. And like this week is blue goo, like the flavor burst. And I haven't really ate it a lot before this week, but it's been an everyday thing so far this week. And that's, it tastes, it's supposed to taste like cotton candy, but someone told me it tastes like uh, the marshmallows and the Lucky Charms. Mm. And ever after they put that into my head, I can't stop eating it. And especially, you gotta throw some rainbow sprinkles on there. Mm. So that is my favorite right now. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, it has to just be plain soft vanilla make a little hot mm. fudge sundae throw some yep. whipped cream and a cherry on top of that oh, and yeah. the most the key part is is you learn this when you work in an ice cream place for four years now where sometimes you have to eat a dinner quick and what is key with a hot fudge it's not because I love hot fudge I do love hot fudge but if you put the right amount of hot fudge with the right amount of soft vanilla ice cream, the hot fudge, if you evenly disperse it into each bite, you will never get brain freeze. And you can eat Ooh. the ice cream quicker Ooh. when you need to eat something. So that's my go-to on the weekend when it's really busy, is right in between the shift, or a, a, a quick, I usually get five minutes at 5.55 to five. Sometimes I get six or seven minutes if I'm lucky. Um, off the window and uh, uh, so sometimes I'll grab a cup and I'll throw in some vanilla ice cream some hot fudge whipped cream and a cherry and make sure that each spoonful is evenly distributed with the hot mm. fudge and the soft vanilla so I will never get brain freeze I so think tr- I can so trending up this week call your bookies trending up <laughs> hot fudge sundaes and and blue goo ice cream I can hear Colton drooling as you were talking about it so you know it's yeah. good at that point yeah but so that's, uh, Alex, that's, that's where I'm at this week. You know what? We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule and coming on the podcast. Uh, love to have you in the future, but honestly, thank you a lot. Of course. It's a pleasure always talking uh, with you guys. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. And I hope uh, you, 
especially are all staying safe over there in Nebraska. Well, you you as well, man. It's always good talking to you. Hey, uh, we'll catch up if if there's a college football season. We'll catch up on Rutgers football. <laughs> Sounds good to me. A little Big Ten ball. All right. Alex Fuse, everybody, a good friend of mine, but also uh, just a bright young star in in the sports industry. He's uh, the host of, as we said, the Whole Story podcast, um, where he does interviews with just about anyone you've ever heard of in the sports industry and uh, the broadcaster and writer for the Burlington Royals. But, Colton, I mean, how about that right before we left? We got some insider info in the ice cream biz. You know, put some hot fudge sundae on the vanilla each bite. No brain freeze. Yeah, honestly, uh, I should have I should have gone back to my village in days, dude. In the summer, <laughs> so we had a a milkshake machine. Number one, nobody liked making milkshakes. Number number one being it just it took so long. Number two being like, who who has the time when you're busy to like hold on? Let me take this five minute process to make you like one milkshake, right? For, right. And you're not you're gonna tip me three dollars, but. What we would do when it wasn't busy is we would get the pies that were about to be thrown out, not because, like, they were inedible, but because, like, they were past their expiration. Uh, they could have been sold for a couple more days, but it's a freshness thing. And we would take a whole slice of pie, like two scoops of ice cream and some milk and make pie milkshakes. Oh, wow. And so we would, you know, we would take, like, the really decadent ones and, dude, like... I, I don't know anything about ice cream business, but I I know about pie milkshakes. I'll tell you that. No, I'm taking notes right now. I'm all in on that. So. Hubba, but, hubba. Yeah, dude. I mean, talking to Alex made me think, I don't think you and I really ever called games together. Uh, yeah, not if, really. If, I, actually, I don't know if we've ever called one. I don't know one. if we have. Yeah. And so I just started thinking about that. I was like, wow. I don't know how many times we asked to do it, but... <laughs> But, I think they, I mean, they heard enough of us uh, doing our probably own show, the podcast so. or the yeah. show, yeah. But still, it's just us. like, you know, we asked for like three years to call baseball games together. I don't think we ever did. We yeah. always crossed paths on like double headers. But Yeah, I'd always see you coming in while I'm leaving or something. But Yeah, well, they needed some veterans to call the games, I guess. They didn't want two together. So Yeah, God but. forbid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, they should have let us both in the booth. Favorite ice cream for me, by the way, so it's on the record, mint chip and nothing will ever top that. So. Man, I don't know. If I'm buying it from the store, bunny tracks, dude. Wow. Um, I just like peanut butter in my ice cream. Mm. Favorite ice cream like to go get, uh, probably, like I guess I go to Cold Stone a lot, but they have like a peanut butter perfection, but I get it with coffee ice cream instead of chocolate. Do you like it or love it? Oh, I love it. Gotta have it. Okay. I don't, not all the time too much yeah yeah it's a lot it's a lot yeah <laughs> but pie milkshakes i'll tell you well i'm in on, i'm in on that but uh yeah so so great interview with alex fuse um and that will do it for for this one um but we should be back sometime within the next week uh, with another podcast till next time